What London Can Be is brought to you by London Community Foundation, an organization dedicated to improving communities across London and Middlesex County. Welcome to What London Can Be, the podcast where we navigate our shifting world, shine a light on the issues our city is facing, and explore the innovative Made in London solutions to critical challenges in our community. I'm Diane Silva, Director of Philanthropy at London Community Foundation. Today, I'll be speaking with Janet Tufts, Executive Director at Big Brothers Big Sisters of London and Area. This year, Big Brothers and Big Sisters was granted $51,000 through LCF's Community Vitality Grant Program to address the volunteer intake bottleneck and eliminate the wait list of children in need of a mentor, which is especially important amid the stress of the pandemic. Let's learn more how they are positively impacting the lives of so many youth in our community. Hi, Janet. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks, Diane. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Great to have you on the show today. And I'm really, yeah, and I'm really excited uh, for you to share about Big Brothers and Big Sisters and the the great work that you guys do. So let's start off by, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? For our listeners who don't know who Janet Tufts is, can you uh, tell us a little about who you are and what led you to this role at Big Brothers and Big Sisters? Yeah, it was uh, interesting in the end what led me to this role, but I'm coming up on almost three years with Big Brothers Big Sisters. Um, And, uh, you know, this is after a a 30-year career in the local nonprofit sector. And I know you and I, Diane, we've crossed paths a few few times. And and this is actually my second um, executive director role. I was the executive director of the Canadian Medical Hall of Fame uh, for about seven years. And I have to say, I do love the executive director role. But prior to this role, the interesting piece is that my husband and I spent two years in Malaysia Mm -hmm. uh, as educational uh, consultants. We just picked up our bags and went to the other side of the world. Um, And we were working for a private company that had been hired by the government to transform the public school system. Uh, It was an amazing experience. Um, And when we returned, um, we formed a consulting business, a consulting company. But, But I realized that I prefer to make a deep and lasting impact in one place rather than spread myself across many organizations So I went back out on the hunt for an executive director role. I have to say the transition uh, back after being away for two years wasn't easy, but uh, I landed here and I'm very happy. Good for you. And I do remember running into you and you shared with me that you and your husband went on this two-year journey and I thought, good for you. And I'm sure you brought back a lot of learnings from overseas to what you're doing here today in your role. So that's awesome. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with Big Brothers Big Sisters, although I can't imagine a lot of people don't know (laughs) your organization, your household name in London and uh, Middlesex County. So but if you could explain what it is that your organization does. Well, you're absolutely right. Most people do have some familiarity with um, Big Brothers Big Sisters as a international organization. And and most people know that we're in the business of, of mentoring. Um, But what they don't know, however, and what I've even come to learn is just how essential our mentoring programs are. You know, the the mentoring relationships that that we create and support are not like your typical friends club or homework club. I mean, these are relationships that can truly change the trajectory of a young person's life and and help them, them reach their full potential. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm guessing you're, you're probably wondering who it is that we serve, who those young people are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, so the young people we serve. Well, actually, let me let me before I even get there. Let's um, uh, let me explain sort of specifically or explicitly what we do. So we match caring adult volunteers with young people between the ages of seven and seventeen, and together the two of them they make a commitment to meet every week somewhere in the community mm-hmm. for two to four hours for at least a year. And many um, stay with us longer than a year, and and actually many remain friends forever. But um, you know the young people that we serve, um, Diane, are most are some of the most vulnerable in our community. Mm-hmm. You know they represent those uh, equity seeking populations. They're living in poverty, um, indigenous, racialized immigrants, refugees. Some have disabilities. Um, many represent the, um, the growing uh, 2SLGBTQ plus community, um, but most of them face what we call adverse childhood experiences, you know, like violence in the home, addictions in the home, family breakdown, and, and mental illness. So um, you know, these uh, these these kids are, are have got a lot going on. <laughs> For sure, I can only imagine. Now, how? Are these kids made aware of Big Brothers Big Sisters? You know, um, you know. I'm sure they're going through such dark, challenging times. But how do they get in front of you and uh, and and then matched with a volunteer or a mentor? I should say. Yeah. Well, you know, we rely heavily on our marketing communications coordinator and all her social media magic um, to get the word out. Um, but any parent or um, you know, any any guardian could could call us up and uh, tell us their story. And you know, we have a family enrollment coordinator um, who will listen and get that enrollment um, enrollment process going. Mm-hmm. And are there agencies in the community too that would refer their kids uh, to your? organization yes yes for sure yeah we um we have lots of community partners that's a great question who are aware of us will refer kids to us and also the school boards um we do we do offer programming in the schools as well um so um so families and parents and and teachers can find out about us um that way as well Mm mm-hmm and so the one-on-one mentoring, because this is what yeah. Big Brothers Big Sisters is right. known for. Why is this so important, and, yeah. <laughs> and why is it? Uh, I mean, why is it such a success too? Like, if you could share that, because I don't yeah. think a lot of people realize this. Well, I, I did want to really emphasize um, our focus or prioritization of the one-to-one mentoring relationships we we do have and we do offer some group programming but the reality is it's the one-to-one where we you know as our as our theory of change goes if if we serve young people who face adversity by matching them with a caring and consistent adult or a big and if they're committed to our mentoring program over a period of time they'll have better social emotional competence they'll have better mental health and well-being and better educational engagement and employment readiness mm-hmm. i mean re- research shows that children with mentors compared to those without mentors 
know, they're three times as likely to report good to excellent mental health. They're, they're two times as likely to have a strong sense of belonging and two times as likely to finish high school and, and more likely to go on to um, post-secondary or a career. So, I mean, the research is there mm-hmm. um, that demonstrates the, the power of a, of a mentoring relationship like kind that we provide. And now what about for the volunteer? Um, what's the experience like for them uh, when they get involved, if you could shed some light, because I'm sure there's some listeners that might be interested in uh, signing up. So if you yeah, could just well, kind of, yeah. Yeah, well, well, first I will I'll just um, starting with that I hear over and over again by our mentors or bigs that the relationship that, that they've, that how much they gain from it as much as um, the little is gaining from it. And in fact, when I first stepped into this role, one of my uh, one of the thir- first things I did was I went and had coffee with a few of our mentors. And I was um, blown away, actually, um, by the number of mentors that got teared up and got choked mm-hmm. about talking about um, their, uh, you know, their little and their relationship. So I so, I mean, there's no question it has an impact on both. Right. Um, I will say, though, the, you know, I'm, no, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big commitment, and I'm not going to understate that. This is a volunteer commitment that kind of goes above um, typical volunteer relationships. We're mm-hmm. asking for a big commitment. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the more you put in, really, in, in things, the more you get out the of more it. The more you get out, yeah. And it makes sense because for something like this, you're dealing with, you know, a young person, very vulnerable, and they need that kind of stability too, right? So you have to think of it that way. Just think of it in the long term. Yes, for sure. Yeah, the stability is absolutely critical. These kids have been let down so many times in their lives that um, we really, as an organization, have to do everything we can to make sure that the big shows up every week like they promised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so um, last fall, um, your organization, Big Brothers Big Sisters, was the recipient of a Community Vitality grant to build capacity. Could you share some information about how this project came to be and what it is that you guys are doing? First of all, I just have to start by saying how grateful we are for this support. Um, Big thank you to the London Community Foundation. Uh, So, and I will explain why and the impact that it's had. So, you know, I've I've spoken about the adversity that many of the kids in our community uh, face, but, um, you know, the sad reality is, is that more and more kids are struggling with adversity and the adversity is getting more serious and more complex all the time. And, you know, if if this issue isn't addressed while these kids are young and their brains are still developing, it's going to result in far greater issues that our community will not be proud of in years to come. So, you know, at Big Brothers Big Sisters, we know, I've already said, our mentoring programs can prevent, even reverse, the damaging effects of trauma, Mm -hmm. toxic stress, and adversity. So, um, because of we, we know we can make a difference, we know we need to make more matches and we need to make those matches faster. I mean, you know, a year ago, we're looking at our wait list. It was unmanageable. 
there were kids on that wait list waiting four or five years for a mentor. 75% of the kids were boys. And I was like, this is just absolutely unacceptable. So, you know, we need to make more matches. We need to make them faster. And that's where this grant um, comes into play. So it was about a year ago, you know, that um, we realized that we had a serious bottleneck in our volunteer enrollment process. I mean, we were a victim of our own success, actually, because our recruitment campaigns had been almost too successful. We we had almost a supply issue. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, many people think that we're always scrambling for, you know, not enough volunteers. That's that can be the case, but it's not always the case. Um, And the issue we found ourselves in about a a year ago is that we couldn't process the volunteers fast enough through the um, through the enrollment process and because of really staffing pressures. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we, there were a couple of staff that were kind of doing this work. I hate to say it, but off the sides of their desks. And we realized that we needed one staff person dedicated solely to enrolling volunteers. Um, You know, when you asked about um, the, you know, what it, what it, requires of uh, an individual to become a mentor starting with the enrollment process it's very comprehensive you know e- uh, each each mentor is carefully screened and trained um, and uh, and and the process it actually requires about 15 hours worth of work that often can get spread over a couple of months if we're not on top of it so so mm-hmm. we turn to the London Community Foundation in hopes of receiving the grant to cover the cost of a volunteer enrollment coordinator. And, you know, I just, I, I can't underestimate the value of this role. Yeah. It's, it's, it's because now we've un, unstuck that bottleneck. Our wait list is now down to a very manageable number. Um, we are, we are making matches uh, and it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> that's, that's great. And the match piece, is that hard to do? Or like, do you have a set criteria? <laughs> I'm like, I'm just wondering how that process works. How how do you? Yeah. So you I'm, not, I, I'm not one of our matchmakers. Here. That's okay. I'm, I'm not, yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah. It's mm-hmm. our, our mentor. Well, we have, uh, it's a, it's a team effort. So yeah. our uh, volunteer, uh, volunteer enrollment coordinator works with our family enrollment coordinator and um, and they've done such a good job of screening and gathering information about both parties um, and and so it's a very very thoughtful nice. um, matching and and what we do is we will propose three potential um, mentees to a to a volunteer. Uh, so we'll get it down to kind of a list of three and then they choose their top choice. Um, and then, and then the parent uh, uh, gets involved and final approval. And, but it's a very, very thoughtful process based on shared interests. Okay. You know, that sort of thing. That's good. No, but it's, it is good to know that you are taking this thoughtful approach. Cause again, it's about building these relationships and you want them to work. So yeah. No, and you. you know, I, I just want to say that our agency has the highest um, rate of matches that stay together beyond the one-year commitment. Aww. We have nine, 98% stay together. And that is 
totally a reflection of the investment put in up front that That's pays right. off. Now, I, I will say COVID, um, some matches are struggling to stay together uh, okay. during COVID. They, Be- they really are. Yeah. yeah. And actually, that was going to be my next question. So how has the pandemic impacted the youth you serve and the work that you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. I would say it significantly impacted our work. You know, there's probably no agency organization in the community that would say otherwise. But I'll just start by saying, you know, the lives our kids lead is hard enough in normal times, Mm -hmm. let alone laying a pandemic on on top of things and you know during the height of the pandemic uh kids help phone reported a 350 percent increase in calls and over three quarters of the kids were reporting that they had no one to talk to so i mean that the pandemic absolutely caused social isolation um to reach alarming heights mm-hmm. now our organization um you know we're we're not a bricks and mortar uh, type organization and we were able to transition our matches from meeting in person to meeting virtually and you know for for some kids and families it was just too much um but but for others you know the matches got really creative we provided lots of creative ideas and they found new things to do together So, yeah. So adapting, right? Adapting to this new normal that we're in. Yeah. It's been already two years. So hopefully, I know. I I just hope that things uh, start to to get better from here, but uh, we'll see. I'd I'd like to just share two simple quotes from from two of our littles, uh, something that they said during the height of the pandemic. So one of them, uh, his name's Camden, age 13, and he said this. It kind of sucks because I don't get to see my friends, but Ryan, my big, and I have FaceTimed or played video games once or twice a week. It's good to know that I have somebody that I can talk to. Um, You know, for many of our littles, their big was their only lifeline um, that they could count on each week. And another one of our our littles, um, his name's Rylan, age 12, and he he said to our staff, the mentoring coordinator, he said, and this really stuck with me, my big brother makes me feel like we're all safe. And, you know, in, in my opinion, nothing better captures the sense of uncertainty uh, that many of the children in our community were feeling during the height of the pandemic. Oh, that's really nice. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and it's it's amazing to hear it from them, their perspective in yeah. their own words. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And now, do you have any success stories that you can think of that you would like to share that has happened uh, yeah, the there, mm-hmm. there, are, there are a number um, of success stories, um, but I, I return to one that I um, learned about um, fairly soon into my, my role, and it continues to be um, my, the most impactful story, I think, and it's uh, about Big Josh and Little Josh. They share the same name, but, um, you know, when, when Big Josh was young, Uh, His father was abusive. Uh, His father committed suicide when Josh was young and left his mother in in thousands of dollars of of debt. And Josh would tell you that his childhood was um, very traumatic. And um, 
he and his two siblings um, raised by a single mom and she turned to big brothers, big sisters, and all three of um, them were matched with a big. Um, and, and in time, they all went on to graduate from university and they're all currently um, in, in careers. But um, what the part of the story that really struck me is that Josh said to me that his big opened up his eyes to an alternative way of living, something he just, he'd not been exposed to. And, you know, he saw his big owned his own car and held down a job and, um, and, and that his big had goals that he worked towards. And, and um, so the, the result of that was that Josh set a personal goal to go to university um, to become a registered nurse. And that's what he is today. Wow. At, uh, yeah. So he's a uh, registered nurse in the ICU unit at University Hospital. And when he became, you know, stable um, or, or, or was well established, he became a big. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But uh, the reason the reason the story I, I continue to come back to it is because it validates a statistic that we continue to use, um, you know, that our, uh, our one-to-one mentoring program has a one to 23 social return on investment. So for every dollar invested, $23 goes back into the community, you know, through government savings and because our bigs grow up to be, you know, tax paying, contributing Mm-hmm. adults who give back. Yeah. No, it, it absolutely makes sense because I can totally see it changing the trajectory of a person's life. Like you just yeah. said, uh, here was Josh, you know, had an example of what life was, right? Yeah. And feeling yeah. really negative about things meets Josh, the big mentor who was living life differently. And mm-hmm. it it exposed him to that. So mm-hmm. it gave him some aspirations, some things to aspire to. And that that's awesome, yeah. right? So you know, I I just don't want to un um, uh, Josh's mom. Um, while she was a single mom, she was a very dedicated mother, and she was a strong role model for her three kids. Yes. Um, but uh, but the addition of a big brother in Josh's life, um, you know, really uh, um, made that even stronger. For sure. No, that's yeah. that's beautiful. So. Uh, lastly, what do you think lending can be and how do you think we can get there together? Well, this is a loaded question. <laughs> this is a big one. Um, but, you know, I really, I did give this some thought. And and here's what I'd say. I'd say, I think London can be a city where everyone acts or gives back in their own way, the way our bigs act and give back to their littles. Now, I've said already the commitment our volunteers make goes you know, beyond the norm. And I'm not saying that everyone should become a big brother, big sister with, big, with our organization. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that everyone could become a big in their own special way to whoever in their circle needs it. And then I believe our community can be the best that we can be. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Thank you, Janet. I really enjoyed speaking with you and you sharing your story with Big Brothers and Big Sisters and the great work that you guys are doing. And I wish you all the success and um, 
And then we can reflect back maybe a year from now and see how things have gone <laughs> with this new role and um, and how the uh, uh, the ma- the matching is going with yeah, the brothers uh, and big sisters. I, I just want to thank you, Diane, and the London Community Foundation. Well, for for the grant, of course, um, but also for this podcast, for thinking of us and doing this podcast. It's. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us. So thank you so much. Well, you guys are doing great work and we need to share the story. So thank you goes to you. So <laughs> okay. Take care. Thanks, you Diane. too. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of What London Can Be. Look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn how to subscribe to this podcast and for more information about today's guest, visit us at lcf.on.ca slash what London can be. If you like this podcast, tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find links on our website. Thank you again for joining us.